Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Happy NFL Draft Day. That's all that's really happening in sports. Um, so, yeah, no real baseball news, no progression being made. Not a lot of rumors either. It's just really at a standstill right now. And as the time goes on, well, let's just say the hopes keep fading. But there's still that little part of us that hopes that this year we will have baseball. But we're going to have some fun conversations today. Uh, we have a conversation that uh, we're going to have that a lot of people have been talking about the past few days regarding Wrigley Field and statues. And then we'll... Uh, Bring in a few more topics along the way, maybe some MJ topics. So stick around. We have a lot to talk about. Adam, how you doing? Fantastic. Good. You know, I was just thinking today, and this is something I'm going to write for Cubby's Crib. Uh, because uh, Michael Jordan is such a big topic of conversation right now because of the documentary Last Dance, which I watched the first two episodes and I thought it was absolutely fantastic and very interesting, also a little dark too, I figured that I want to write something about interactions the Cubs have had with Michael Jordan because there have been a couple of interactions over the years with Michael Jordan outside him playfully trolling the Cubs about rebuilding. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm about the only one who hasn't been watching the Michael Jordan documentary. You might be. I mean, I I think it's great. It's really great. But then again, here in Chicago, actually being in Chicago, it's a really big deal. And I think for me, what hurts the most is there was this great dynasty. At least half of it happening when I was alive, but I was never old enough to witness it. And that just kind of stinks, knowing that probably one of the greatest runs in sports history happened, and I couldn't have been there to see it. It just it bums me out sometimes. Yeah, but we got a lot of life yet to live, and maybe maybe we'll witness something like it. Probably not, but... I was going to say, it's who knows. I could dream. A kid can dream. Yeah. Um... So a few MJ things I wanted to talk about regarding the Cubs. Uh, this is one of my favorite things. Uh, there was the time in 1994 when he decided to play baseball, and he was with the White Sox organization. I don't know if you've ever seen these clips, but if you haven't seen them, look them up on YouTube. It's pretty great. Michael Jordan playing baseball in an exhibition game against the Cubs at Wrigley Field. The only major league stadium that Michael Jordan ever played at was Wrigley Field. It, it wasn't a regulation game. It was an exhibition game. It wasn't regular season or postseason, but he did play baseball at Wrigley Field. And, you know, the funny thing is Cubs Sox is usually Cubs fans and Sox fans going against each other. They just wanted to watch Michael Jordan that day. If Michael Jordan was driving in runs for the Sox, everyone was, and he did that day, everyone was standing and cheering and going crazy. When he caught a routine fly ball, everyone stood and cheered like crazy. It's just that's something that you don't see very often at all. Wouldn't it be cool to see something like that again, a big-time athlete play multiple sports? Yeah, but Michael Jordan sucked at baseball, though. Yes, he did. And it's not really any secret why he left basketball for baseball briefly. I'm just saying, it'd still be cool. I mean, Deion Sanders wasn't that good at baseball, and he's a football Hall of Famer. 
Just saying. Yeah, I, did, I, he did play. I'm not. Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't compare Sanders and Jordan in that regard, though. And if if he if he if he wasn't Michael Jordan, if he wasn't the famous basketball player, there isn't a snowball's chance in hell he would have scratched the surface of even the lowest tier of the minor leagues. Well, it I mean it depends. If you're if you're an athlete and you play multiple sports, I mean you remember Russell Wilson was drafted by the Yankees, I believe. Uh Colin Kaepernick was drafted by the Cubs. So there were athletes, professional athletes even hmm. today that did play multiple sports and were drafted by multiple leagues. Yeah, I'm not saying Michael Jordan wasn't drafted though. Michael Jordan no, Michael Jordan Michael Jordan was on a there's a difference between Michael Jordan and like what and Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was actually a good baseball player. Michael Jordan was on the on the white in the White Sox organization just for the novelty of it, and that's that's it. And well, I mean, yeah, he was, he was an athletic Jordan. guy, and I don't doubt you know that he 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 made could make some plays in the field and get a hit occasionally. A lot of people could do that, but I mean, there Michael Jordan was only in baseball just because he was Michael Jordan. There, there was no part of that uh, that had anything to do with his baseball talent. Well, I mean, my whole point is, is that he still played in the sport and people did get to see it. It was a unique thing. Yeah. I'm not saying he was any good. Yeah, I'm not saying cool. he, you know, it was it was a cool thing to see. Um, it was not pretty to watch by any means. I mean, he couldn't hit a curveball to save his life. Had he not retired the first time around, not only would he probably have won more championships, but... You would have never even really dreamed much of Michael Jordan being a baseball player. I mean, you wouldn't have even thought about it. Yeah. But it's still, you know, it's still a piece of Chicago history, and it was Mm -hmm. probably pretty cool for people to see at Wrigley Field. Um, So there's plenty of episodes of this Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary left, and I'm curious. I mean, I know it's mainly based... On 1998 in that last season uh so i would kind of hope that they would also mention at some point what he did right after that season and one of the things he did after that season was throw out a first pitch at wrigley field uh during the playoff game in 1998 or i should say the play-in playoff game game 163 he threw out a first pitch to sammy sosa and sammy sosa and michael jordan you know, they really respected each other. And, you know, Michael Jordan actually had some pretty good things to say about Sammy Sosa. What made it so funny and what summed up Michael Jordan's career as a baseball player is he completely airmailed the first pitch over Sosa's head. Even Sosa leaping, he couldn't catch it. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's it's kind of funny. I have not. Yeah, look it up on YouTube. It's funny. It's just it completely airmails the throw. And, like, everyone got a good laugh, even Michael Jordan. He's probably thinking, yeah, this is why I couldn't stick with baseball and just kind of shrugged it off. And he was wearing a Sosa jersey, which was kind of cool. Okay, so speaking of Wrigley Field, a lot of people have been talking about this. I don't remember exactly who started it. it I'd have to go back and look on Twitter, but there were a lot of people asking, who should be the next person to have a statue at Wrigley Field? And I think that's a really good conversation to have. We've talked about numbers being retired. 
We haven't really talked about statues, and I feel like statues are for the absolute elite. You have your retired numbers, and obviously those are a very, very elite group. But I feel like statues are even more of an elite group. I, I mean, one of the reasons is you only have so many room for uh, so much room for a statue, especially around Wrigley Field. But you know, having a statue, it's a really, really big deal. Even more than having a number retired. I don't know if that's a hot take, but that's kind of how I feel. Uh, I, 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 I would put them in in a similar tier of of respect. I think. I mean, it's I. I think I think both are a great way to to honor the legacy of former players, not limited to just players, for statues anyway. Yeah, that's another thing too is that sometimes you'll see statues built for well, not sometimes, a lot of the time you'll yeah. see statues built for coaches. And and uh, Harry Carey too. And Harry Carey, yeah, broadcasters. I mean, you look around the league, not only in baseball, like Major League Baseball, but you look at all the other sports too, you see different types of statues. The Blackhawks have a team statue, which is really kind of cool. You also see statues of certain groups of players. Mm-hmm. So that makes you wonder, is there one day going to be a statue or group statue somehow of key players from the 2016 team? I don't know. That would be kind of hard. There's limited space, and that's a lot of players. Obviously, you'd have to kind of limit who's on it, and that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, so it it, you could you could go one of two ways here. It's it if we're if we're talking about uh, building a statue, you know, years from now, maybe decades from now, uh, then my answer for who you who you build a statue of would be different than if you're asking me if they were to build a statue today, who would it be? Uh, because yes, I, I, I do think that it would be cool at some point if they had some sort of statue commemorating the 2016 team. Uh, you know, if you, if you did a, a sort of a Blackhawks type thing, you may, you've got maybe Madden, Bryant, Rizzo, uh, somebody else on there. Lester. That would be cool. But that to me, it would be just kind of, tacky and a little bit cringy if you built that now uh if you if you built that 20 30 years from now then i think it would be really cool and it would be a piece of history uh but but not not right now not while all these guys are still playing and while it's still a really fresh memory if if you had to build a statue now i think you got to choose one of the old elites and i think you know they've already got banks uh i think santo too Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so for me, if you had to build another statue, then I guess my my top choice would be maybe like Fergie Jenkins or Andre Dawson. I think you go Ferguson Jenkins. Yeah. I think that would be, be a great the wisest choice. choice. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, he's probably the best pitcher in Cubs history, at least mm-hmm. at least in a modern era. I mean, you yeah. could look at three finger Mordecai Brown, but you know, yeah. I mean, if you if yeah you if you wanted to go like super way old school, yeah, you could go Mordecai Brown or like Hack Wilson. Yeah, right. I just feel like Ferguson Jenkins would be the most logical choice. He would be my top choice, too, yeah. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Andre Dawson was loved in Chicago. The truth of the matter is, though, his 
greatest years were really in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Bit of a bit of a Greg Maddox situation going on with him too. That's what I wanted to talk about. I want to yeah. talk about Greg Maddox. His number is retired here. Obviously, Greg Maddox did good things here. Obviously, he started his career here. Most people probably remember him as a Brave. Yeah, and rightfully so. But that is the reality, yeah. Though it's funny, it sounded like he wanted to be remembered as a Cub, Greg Maddox. He loved the Cubs more than anything, but he also didn't want to disrespect the organization he was with in his absolute prime years. Yeah. Uh, So his... Hall of Fame plaque is a blank cap, and I believe it's the only one with a blank cap, at least of any player. That's a that's that's good baseball trivia. I remember seeing it. I was in Cooperstown. I was I was saying, all right, when I see Greg Maddox, I'm going to look for the blank cap, and sure enough, there it was. He loved the Cubs so much, he wanted to be a Cub, and then they let him get away. Yeah, that's that's gonna it continues to go down as one of the one of their worst blunders i think i think it's one of the biggest blunders in this uh city sports history frankly i mean when you divvy it up i mean obviously his best years were in atlanta but if you if you're if you're going just by total years he, he spent pretty much the same amount of time in atlanta and chicago he just you know he, most of his elite years were in atlanta but I mean, it, it, he's it's it's not like he was only briefly in Chicago. You know, he he had like ten years in Chicago. Yeah, he uh, ten years in Chicago. He made three hundred and two appearances in Chicago, three hundred sixty three in Atlanta. So not that far off. And remember, Greg Maddox did win a Cy Young here. He won a Cy Young. Yeah. He was an All Star. Uh, you know, he really found his niche in 1988 because his first few years he wasn't really any good at all and then 1988 he started to take off and he became one of the elite pitchers in baseball but just look at his atlanta years those are some historically good like impossible numbers yeah his his overall era in atlanta is like a run and a half better than it was in chicago it's really no no contest where he he had his best years personally i think he should be known for his 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 brief stint as a padre when he was in his 40s (laughs) totally totally (laughs) you know what's weird to think about 2008 he was still playing in 2008 that's insane. That's in, Greg Maddox pitched as long as I've been alive. <laughs> he made 33 starts that year. That's that's pretty impressive. And you know what else is impressive is if you look at the NLDS against the Cubs that year, Greg Maddox pitched an inning. And you know what? I have zero recollection of that. Same. I I mean, I know I've blocked most of that series out of my memory, but he pitched against the Cubs in that NLDS. Another, another good uh, bit of baseball trivia. Boy. Greg Maddox. I, I just, every time I look at his numbers... I'm blown away. 
I mean, there were seasons which his walk total was around his win total. Like, how crazy is that? 1997. This is 33 starts and 232 innings. 19 wins. He walked 20 batters total that year. You just don't see that anymore, ever. No. It's not it, like that's unheard of. His base on ball per nine was under one, it was 0.8. Yeah. That's. Those days are are so long gone. I mean, he's the only one who was really capable of doing that. When you think about it. (laughs) And you look at the number of complete games. 94-95. 20 complete games in those two years. Those are shortened seasons, and he pitched 10 complete games. Man. Amazing. You know what's kind of sad, though? I mean, Greg Maddox is one of my all-time favorite players, but the only Cubs memories I have of him was when he came back in 2004, and by the time he came back in 2004, he was 38 years old, and he was really starting to decline. Happens to the best of them, you know. Once you get to that age, it, it just there's not much you can do. You just start to lose some of that strength. and This is a guy who looked like a dad. Like, he looked like a dad. You want to look at the most average Joe-looking athlete was one of the most successful baseball players in the history of the game. I'm I'm all here for for top-tier athletes that just look like dads. I'm here for it. That that would be a good show to do sometime where we rank athletes that just looked like total average Joes. That would be fun. That's a good idea. Dad dad bod guys that that were really good at the sport, but they just looked like somebody you'd just run into at the bar in a small town. Well, did you ever hear the story about when Greg Maddox uh, first played in the big leagues as a pinch runner? I believe that was uh-huh. 1984. He was so scrawny, they thought he was the Bat Boy. <laughs> I had not heard that. Isn't that isn't that awesome? <laughs> like he thought they thought he was the Bat Boy. And then they're like, oh wait, he's like actually a pitcher from the minors. And then who would who would in the right mind think that this guy is going to be one of the most chewing Hall of Fame players in the history of baseball? Not me. I don't think anyone did. But going back to the whole statue thing, I think Maddox, and this is not me trying to crap on Andre Dawson, but you mentioned Andre Dawson. I feel like Maddox would still probably be more likely than Andre Dawson to have a statue, personally. See, I... I don't know. I, 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 you know, when I think of Maddox, I still just think of him in a Braves uniform. I, I mean, and I just can't get past that. I can't get past the uh, making a statue of someone whose glory days were not with that team 
I, I couldn't do it. Well, keep in mind, his number is retired. Greg Maddox's yeah. number is retired at Wrigley Field. Having having a statue, though, I I don't know. I, I would go with Fergie before I went with Maddox. Well, I would go Fergie first. I'm just saying over Andre Dawson. I I might even I might even go I might even go Ryan Sandberg too. I don't know. Oh, that is a good one. I didn't. Wow, I didn't yeah. think of that. Yeah, Rhino Rhino oh. Rhino could be due for something like that too. Yeah, I'd I'd still say I'd still say Fergie one, mm-hmm. and then maybe my number two would probably be Rhino. Yeah. So I mean. It, for me, it's it's Fergie number one without a doubt, and then interchangeably uh, Dawson and Sandberg. I think. You know, I'm comparing the numbers with Montreal and the Cubs for Andre Dawson, and you know, I gotta admit they are a bit more similar than I thought they were. But also keep in mind that the Montreal sample size is six years. Uh, Montreal, he had 11 years versus six years with the Cubs. The average is about the same, 280 in Montreal, 285 with the Cubs. On-base percentage is virtually the same, 326, 327. He did slug a little higher in Chicago. He hit a lot more home runs in Montreal, but then again, that's because he had a you know longer time in Montreal. Right. So the numbers are actually pretty similar and again admittedly more similar than i thought they than i thought they were i thought just because i didn't live in that era i was kind of keeping in mind at least in my own mind that oh andre dawson was just flat out better in montreal he had a lot more time there but numbers are pretty similar but i still think even though he loved the cubs and the cubs loved him I think that's another case where a lot of people think of him in Montreal and Montreal didn't doesn't have that rich of a history outside like 94 and Andre Dawson in the early eighties, late seventies. So I think just people associate the few good things that Montreal had. Andre Dawson was one of them. Yeah. Without a doubt. I don't see the Cubs doing any statues for like tinkers, evers or chance because that was just so long ago. I don't think there's anyone alive that even witnessed them play. No, that's that's a I mean, and those guys aren't really household names either. That's kind of those are kind of niche players for, you know, big baseball history buffs. Right. I mean, I they, don't think you're I don't think your average American baseball fan really knows of those guys. Yeah, I mean, they were household names 100 years ago, but that was 100 years ago. And, I mean, a guy like Hack Wilson, who might be one of the most underrated sluggers ever, that's another case where there's probably not many people, if any, who who are really alive that really remember what he did. I mean, he put up a season that was like Babe Ruth in 1930. And that gets forgotten about. But he is a Hall of Famer. I just don't think he had enough of a run here to really warrant a statue, even though he did a lot of good. I agree. Obviously, you have your popular fan favorites that are never going to get a statue. People loved Rick Sutcliffe. No way he's getting a statue. Everyone loved Mark Race, and Mark Race was dang underrated, but he's never getting a statue. 
Uh, Obviously, Kerry Watermark, Pryor, Carlos Sembrano, or Derek Lee, or Ramos Ramirez, they're in the Hall of Very Good, but they're not getting statues, I don't think, Mm. ever at any point. No, no. So really, I think the only options that are not part of the 2016 World Series that you go with are Fergie, Sandberg, and Maddox. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just those handful of guys. I'm actually kind of surprised that Fergie hasn't gotten a statue yet. Well, and and Chris Coughlin. We can't leave Chris Coughlin out. But... Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, boy, how silly of me. I'm surprised there's no Jack Brickhouse statue. If you're going to do Harry Carey, why not Jack Brickhouse? It's a little overkill, maybe. Maybe. Does it make Harry Carey one less special if you also do a Jack Brickhouse one? But here's the thing. Jack Brickhouse was around a lot longer, and... Yeah, but Harry Carey's... Is def- he's definitely way more known. I, I think Harry Carey is, 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 is I, I like that he's he's the only one. I know he's more known. I know he's more associated with the Cubs. It's just, I've talked to some older Cubs fans. And again, this is just what I, I wasn't alive to hear Harry Carey or Jack Brickhouse. I've just heard, you know, the replays and the videos and all that good stuff. There were some Cub fans that still looked at Harry Carey in the Cubs booth thinking, this guy used to announce for the Cardinals and the White Sox. Why is he here with the Cubs? Yeah, true. Where people said they felt like Jack Brickhouse truly was a Chicago fan. You know what would be funny? Good troll move. If they built one of Joe Buck. That would be hilarious. Just since he called the the final out of the World Series, build a Joe Buck statue at Wrigley Field. <laughs> that would be almost kind of blasphemous, to be honest. It would be, but it would also be pretty funny just yeah. to see people's reaction. And I'd hope that they'd make like Joe Buck's face like that. They they don't even <laughs> announce it, put it in the news, anything. They just one day there's just randomly a statue of Joe Buck. <laughs> just randomly Wrigley. Joe Buck. <laughs> He's right in front of the marquee. They like bumped over the Ernie Banks statue so they could just put Joe Buck right there. He's got to be like winking or something too. <laughs> He's winking. <laughs> you know, I never thought I'd say this, but the more time goes on, the more I actually kind of respect Joe Buck. I can't believe I'm I, saying this, but I, yeah, I, I've kind of I've gone back and forth. I've had mixed feelings about Joe Buck. There are times where he annoys me sometimes, but I think I think he's got a good voice for that job. He does. Uh, maybe not quite to the degree of his father. Uh, Those but, are hard shoes to fill. Right, right. But I on I don't think he's I don't think he's bad at that job. And uh, you know, more recently, I I. I seem to I seem to not mind listening. I know that's not a, a glowing endorsement, but I, he's all right. At times he annoys me, but I, I think he's he's pretty good at what he does. Here's kind of how I view Joe Buck. When I was a kid, he was awful. He was so monotone, yeah. no inflection whatsoever. But as time went on, he really worked on it, and he started to get kind of good at it at some points. 
I think his call the World Series, the Cubs winning it, I thought that was a great call. I thought so too. I I think I think it was it was nice. Listen to that and Real listen nice. to like listen to that and listen to his call of like the Red Sox and the White Sox in the two thousands. You hear quite a difference on the way he inflects. And I I'm still not a huge fan of his football announcing, frankly, because everything is passes caught, passes caught, no flags, passes caught. And then he drolls on and on about how much he loves Aaron Rodgers, and that gets annoying as a Bears fan. But I think as a baseball announcer, he's come a really long way. And I also respect the fact that he just kind of embraces the hate he gets. He's like, yeah, everyone hates me. I don't care. I'm just going to do what I do, and I'm going to make the best of it. I can respect that. I can, too. Yeah. Some. I mean, what I what I wouldn't respect is is if he fought that tooth and nail, but, you know— you you can't really change that sort of reputation, uh, and so just owning it, yeah, I respect that. I also kind of feel like some of the opinions towards him are kind of Nickelback-ish, where hating him is just kind of like a shtick, or it's just kind of like the, hey, everyone hates him, so I have to hate him too, right? <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I, I, I suppose there's some of that. I mean... I mean, I, I'm one of those Nickelback guys, I personally. I mean, I find Nickelback to be like the, the, the Walmart or the Dollar General of rock and roll, but... See... I see where with, you're going with it, though. Like, I mean, with me with Nickelback, I'm not a fan, but I don't think they're awful. I mean, I've heard much worse than uh, them. And... Uh... I mean, think, think about how many people, like, make Nickelback jokes... And then you ask him, name one song by them. They they can't. They just know to well, hate Nickelback. Well, they, maybe they can't. Maybe they can't name the title. But I mean, if you if you just went to like their Spotify page, you would instantly recognize they're probably the the first ten songs listed on their most streamed just just from hearing them on the radio constantly when they were big hits. Well, some might, some might not. I mean. I never liked Nickelback at any point in my life. Well, I'm not saying I like it Nickelback just, either. I just, I just don't think they're as bad as people. Just say. overproduced garbage. <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I won't necessarily disagree, but and I, I, Chad Kroger, whatever his name is, his, not, not a fan of that, that singing style, not a fan. Yeah. It sounds it sounds like a dog drowning or something. <laughs> That's very specific. Yeah, I don't know. That was random. But you get my point, right? It's like I, I feel like I feel like too. If you talked to Joe Buck, like if you were at a bar and you talked to Joe Buck and he got to tell you a bunch of like sports stories, I bet you he'd have great stories to tell. Like I bet it'd be I'm fun sure just sitting down with him. Doesn't seem like the kind of doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would want to sit and have a beer with average Joes in the bar, but but I, I'm sure he would have some pretty good stories to tell. I don't know. I feel like he's more Could chill. Be wrong. Than, I, wrong I, about I, that. I get kind of a, a chill vibe from him. I because you look what he does now. He does those announcing things for people who just post videos on Twitter, and then he goes on a lot of podcasts. I think he actually might enjoy that kind of thing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to you know, if you actually saw him in public, what he'd you, actually have to say. You better invite Joe Buck onto the podcast. Boy, <laughs> won't that be something? We get that Joe would Buck be. on the podcast. Oh, by the way, my statue has been put up at Wrigley Field. What? Huh? <laughs> then all of a sudden, you go on Cubs Twitter, everyone's freaking out, going, what is this? Accomplished. <laughs> I would laugh so hard if that actually happened. I'm here for it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that would be the ultimate troll move. So we talked earlier about how long would we have to wait to see like a 2016 or somebody get retired from this era in the form of a statue or a number retirement, either or. Would you say 20 years ish? Uh, I'm I mean, if if it's if it's a statue, I mean, you you could do any of those guys we talked about. You could do them at any point from now until any point in the future. Uh, yeah, if if we're talking about guys from the World Series team, I'm saying I'm saying like twenty years minimum. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's hard to really just build a statue with somebody. Right after they retire, unless you're Michael Jordan, but as sure. good as as yeah. good as many of these Cubs players are, they don't hold any sort of light to Michael Jordan. Right. Let's be real. No, but I think that's fair. Also, maybe by then they'll own more space somewhere and they'll be mm-hmm. able to put some of these statues because, again, there's not a whole lot of room to put a lot of statues up. And I know it's it's um, been talked about. I don't remember exactly what the context was. I remember hearing it where, I don't know if it was the NFL, some some sports league said we might want to stop retiring numbers because soon you're going to have a lot of numbers not available. Which, I mean, that'd be a lot of numbers to retire to have a number not available. But my whole point is, you don't want to just build statues and retire everybody that did something. They really have to to be a statue. Yeah. You really have to be a big yeah. part of the organization. You start building too many statues, and they, all of a sudden they just don't become very special anymore. And yeah, so you you got to be careful about about going overboard there. Speaking of the NFL, in case anyone cares, Joe Burrow, number one overall by the Bengals, have fun in Cincinnati. Yikes. Yeah, big yikes. Do you believe in Joe Burrow? I believe I believe in his his talent and his intelligence as a quarterback, but as far as his ability to thrive in Cincinnati, that's that's gonna be tough. That, that's a tall order for anyone. Like, uh, dude, I I don't know if Prime Joe Montana can make it work in Cincinnati. No. Oh yeah, that's that organization is a dumpster fire right now, and they've yeah. gone from the team that just went ten and six every year and lost in the first round now to just this. I tell you what, I respect him not. Eli Manning this situation and just outright refusing to play for the Bengals. I guess he's still got time to do that, but from what I've seen and heard, it doesn't sound like he's he's gonna like try to screw the Bengals over. 
No, and it's pretty obvious to me that I think that he knew oh, that yeah. the Bengals were sure. in on him. So this ain't coming to surprise. Do you remember when Johnny Football was drafted by the Browns? Yeah. <laughs> remember the look on his face? I mean, that was that was doomed to fail from the start just because oh, yeah. you know the Johnny Manziel just straight up party animal living the rock star lifestyle 24/7. Joe Burrow it seems like he's got a decent head on his shoulders and will actually be fully committed to football. I mean, you, I I don't think anyone could say that of Johnny Manziel. No, uh, not at all. I mean, it, it, once you're in the NFL, you can't get by on just talent alone. It you you actually got to, you know, study the playbooks and have the work ethic, all that sort of stuff that Johnny Menzel did not. Yeah, there's no forgiveness in the National Football League. And how many games did Johnny Menzel play? Not a lot. I don't remember exactly how many, but I didn't even last like two seasons. It might have been. I think it was, too. I can't remember for sure either. I mean, and he couldn't even last in the Canadian Football League. No, that's right, because he went to the Canadian Football League a little after, and that turned out to be a disaster. He played 15 games. Wow, that many? In the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, looking back on it, I'm not sure Johnny Manziel's play style was ever going to be great in the NFL. I mean, in college... Yeah, you you can get away with you know just scrambling around in the pocket for a long time, but once once you're in the NFL and all these pass rushers are elite, that it you're not going to get away with that anymore. When you're facing Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, yeah, you are not yeah. getting away with that. Yeah. Oh man, these numbers. I mean, I'm, I'm actually. Going back to the Bengals, though, I mean, who is Joe Burrow going to have to work with? What are they? What? What kind of skill position talent do they even have? Uh, AJ AJ Green's still a Bengal. What's left of him? Yeah, he's he's not really prime AJ Green anymore. Dude, remember when he was like the fantasy football dream wide receiver? Oh yeah, I had I had him in one of his massive years. Oh man, he was he was one of the best of the best. And the thing about football is it is the league where great young careers can fizzle out at the snap of a finger. Yeah. We see it happen all the time. I mean, you look from 2011 to 2017, he made the Pro Bowl every year. I mean, that's really impressive and every year but one he had over 1000 yards receiving. Yeah, he was he was the guy. He was he was a legitimate top five receiver for a little while. Yeah, and you know, now he's thirty and usually in the NFL, if you're not like a quarterback or like a kicker or a punter, the thirty mark is usually when things begin to decline. Yeah, yeah, you kinda start hitting a wall. Yeah, so I mean even if he continues to play there, which I, I think he will you're not going to get the same A.J. Green. I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but you're not going to get in prime A.J. Green at this point. And what other talent do they have? Honestly, I know very little about that Bengals roster. I don't think a lot of people know a lot about that Bengals roster. 
So the question now is, what are they going to do with the red rifle? Is he just going to? Is he going to be a backup? Are they going to trade him? Uh, I don't think they want to start him anymore. Well, no, I I don't think so. that would be funny if they just drafted Joe Burrow and Andy Dalton is still the starter next year. Well, you would you would think that. I mean, he's, it's he not still, that uncommon, I guess. To to. <laughs> well, no, you know the whole play behind the veteran thing your first mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And if it was, I I think that's you know. I don't think that would be unrealistic if the Bengals were a good team and they thought they had a chance to compete next year. And but I mean, what are the what do the Bengals have to lose by by playing Burrow right away? Well, the other thing too is if you had him a few years ago, if you had Joe Burrow a few years ago and you were grooming him, and uh, you had Andy Dalton still playing at a better level because remember Andy Dalton was a three-time pro bowler there was a he had a run where he was pretty dang solid I think Andy Dalton is just a little bit underrated overall even right now I mean what what the hell does he have to work with in Cincinnati what kind of O-line does he have what kind of talent does he have around him he doesn't have squat but he doesn't have a lot but Andy Dalton bears the brunt of all the ridicule though which I think is a little bit unfair he's not what he was but I, I don't think he's you know quite the the laughing stock that people make him out to be either. He, he gets the flack because of the playoff appearances. The playoff appearances are pretty ugly. Yeah. Well, the Bengals just have a a pretty rich history of, of ugly playoff appearances. Yeah. It's like the typical Bengals season every year was going 10 and six and losing the first round. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the Marvin Lewis way. It really is. Well, yeah, I mean, if it was the Andy Dalton of a few years ago, I'd say, you know, you could probably learn behind that. But the Andy Dalton of now, but they still might keep him as like a mentor. I don't know who's really going to want to trade for Andy Dalton. I know before the Bears traded for Nick Foles, they were talking about trading for Andy Dalton. I'm like, oh, God, that is the last (laughs) thing I want to see. I think Andy Dalton could be all right on a different team. But on the Bears, no. Not on the Bears. But then again, the Bears ruin everybody who throws a ball. That's true. They That's... they literally ruin everybody. It's amazing. They you, got an act for it. Uh, have you ever seen... This goes around on Twitter a lot. The list of Bears quarterbacks since, like, 1990. It's... Uh, no. Pretty long pretty... list. It's pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> it's it's ugly. Like, okay. Here we go. I, I just want to read this for pure entertainment purposes. So, pretty much since the end of Jim McMahon, we've had Mike Tomzak, Jim Harbaugh, Peter Tom Willis, Will Furrer, Steve Walsh, Eric Kramer, Dave Craig... Rick Mirror, I don't even remember that guy, Steve Stenstrom, Moses Moreno, Shane Matthews, everyone's favorite, Kane McDowell, Jim Miller, Chris Chandler, Henry Burris, Cordell Stewart, Rex Grossman, Craig Krenzel, Jonathan Quinn, Chad Hutchinson, my man Kyle Orton, Brian Greasy, Jay Cutler, Todd Collins, 
Caleb Haney, Josh McCown, Jason Campbell, Jimmy Clausen, Matt Barkley, Brian Hoyer, Mike Glennon. Oh, God. Chase Daniel and Mitchell Trubisky. What a bust Jimmy Clausen was. Oh, Jimmy Clausen. I almost felt sorry for him. Like, he just looked so lost out there. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, the most memorable thing is you look like Cheddar Bob. <laughs> That's about it. No, seriously, look at Cheddar Bob and look at jo- uh, and look at Jimmy Clausen. It's not bad. Oh, but I, I still think Mike Lennon was the worst quarterback we've ever seen. I mean, holy crap. Probably one of the worst contracts, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it ended up being essentially a one-year deal, but, ooh, that was that was a disaster from the start. And, eesh. I know he could throw a football ten times better than I can, but compared to every other quarterback in the league, boy. I mean, I, all those names, of all those names, you had Kyle Orton was... Meh. Rex Grossman was either the hero or the goat. Uh, Cade McNown was awful. Eric Kramer had one good season. Jay Cutler, I you know, was still probably the best quarterback they've ever had. And then everything else is just boy. Yeah. I'm sorry I spent time of a Cubs show reading about Bears quarterbacks. I, I truly do apologize. No, I mean we we've got to we got to fill this this hour up with something, and the Lord knows there's no baseball right now. So yeah. Oh well. When there's baseball, I promise we won't talk about Bears quarterbacks. It is kind of interesting you bring that up, though. That it, it, it's it is weird that the Bears have never really they've never had an all-time great quarterback. No, and you'd think that at least a pretty good one would at least fall into their laps once. Yeah. I mean, I think Jim McMahon could have been that guy, but he got his head Mm. bashed into the turf a million times. Yeah. That kind of killed that. You, you You would think that a franchise like the Bears would have had a legendary quarterback. Yeah, I mean, everyone else around them, well... The Lions haven't, but I mean, you look at the Packers, you look at the Chiefs, you look at the 49ers, you look at the Patriots, you can name so many. Look at the Dolphins. They had Dan Marino well, all those years. I mean, the, I think I think if you had Matt Stafford on the Bears, I, I think that could actually be pretty lethal. I do, too, but I'm not going to call him legendary. I mean, maybe things would have been different if he was on a on a on a better team. But I mean, yeah, you're. I I agree. You make a good point, though. I think Matt Stafford is. The more I watch him, the more time goes on, the he's more good. I realize he's he's got a pretty good arm. Yeah, he's, he's good. Not, he's, he's just he's on the Lions. Yeah, he's that's on the Lions. That's his biggest problem. Right, and. Unfortunately, he would be able to put up a lot of his yards at garbage time for a lot of years. But as you watch the years go on and you saw some of those game winning drives he had, you got to be kind of impressed. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, boy, I wish we could have like a Drew Brees or a Peyton Manning. That's yeah. I mean, those guys only come around once in a generation, but it's also frustrating when you sit and watch your most hated rival have 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers, because when Brett Favre was getting old and the Bears were finally starting to beat him in like the mid 2000s from 2004 to 2007, the Bears beat up on the Packers in those years and they would drive old man Favre into the dirt. You're like, oh, my God, he's finally getting old. It's finally over. And then a quarterback that now owns you even worse comes along. Yeah, yeah, the Bears, uh, the Bears, I think are are probably the worst of of in that division of quarterbacks throughout history. I mean, it's even the Vikings had Tarkenton. Yeah, and the Bears have never had anyone close to that. I mean, when Jay Cutler is your best quarterback, that's pretty bad. Yeah. You know what else is frustrating? Knowing that if you had even just a decent quarterback on so many of those Bears teams that had great defenses, you could have probably gotten a Super Bowl or two in those years. Probably. I, I mean, mean they, they had they've they've had some really good talent on their offense before, but just not not a great quarterback to go with it. Cuz you know what I think would be perfect for this team right now, though the injuries obviously scary. Think about an Alex Smith on the Bears team. Yeah, Alex Smith in his prime was he, he was good quarterback. I always you, kind of felt bad for the way things happened to him in San Francisco, but yeah, Alex Smith on the Bears could have been interesting. He is the perfect game manager with more talent than just a game manager. Yeah, yeah, not not elite talent, but just a really smart quarterback. And sometimes that's enough to get you by. Right, when you have a great defense and you have some good receivers like Allen Robinson, and if you can establish a run game, then yeah, you got something pretty good right there. Then if you had a game manager to do things the way the system is supposed to run, you know, that that can breed you success. Look at the 49ers. They had Jimmy Garoppolo in that system with a great offensive line and great coaching. They mixed everything together so well, and they got to a Super Bowl. It, it can work. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. But anyway, I really don't have much else to talk about. You know, no baseball going on. So I think that is a good place to stop. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. As always, I want to thank my co-host, Adam, for coming on. A reminder, you can check out Cubby's Crib at Cubby'sCrib.com. You can also check out their Facebook and Twitter pages. Check those out. Give them a like. Give them a retweet. Check out the content. It's great. Also, you can check out this podcast and other episodes of Cubby's Crib and other fan-sided podcasts on iTunes.com. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.